welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Monsters. I'm Mike. I'm Allison. So in today's episode, we wanted to talk about the main monster guy, primarily at Universal Studios with the Universal Monsters, but even going beyond Universal, there were a couple actors who, actually more than a couple, who more or less became, we could say, the go-to monster guys. Yeah, they all the choice like, monster roles. They were like synonymous with horror movies. Yeah, I mean, and a certain kind of horror too. You know, usually playing a monster or playing a creepy villain of some sort. Uh, so we wanted to go back. I know we mentioned this in a previous episode. Uh, we wanted to mention Lon Chaney Sr. Because he's more or less the first, you know, go-to monster guy. He played the Phantom of the Opera. He played uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. He was the counterfeit vampire in London After Midnight. And these are all silent films. And he was set to you know, usher in the the talkies, he was going to be the guy that was going to play Dracula and Frankenstein and all of those monsters, the mummy. But he wound up dying of cancer in 1930. Yeah, the irony. Yeah, so Boris Karloff wound up being the guy going into the 30s and into the 40s who was the main monster guy who basically got all the choice monster roles. You know, Bella was there. Bella could have been the main monster guy, but he turned down the role of Frankenstein after playing Dracula. So, I mean, you would agree Bella was there, right? Yeah, of course. Bella was there. Um, he just didn't play as many, like, different kinds of monsters as, like, um, Boris Karloff and Lon Chaney Jr. Well, he did, I mean, he did play a lot of monsters, but he rarely ever got the starring role. I think that was the difference, because he he is the the main monster in Dracula. Well, of course, Dracula. And then he played a lot of, like, the Edgar Allan Poe movies. But I don't, th- like I said, I don't think he played... A variety of monsters. Yeah, know? well, he was in with with Karloff, who, by the way, they supposedly they didn't get along. I don't know if that's true, but I, I think at least in the um, the Ed Wood movie with yeah, Johnny they make Depp, it seem like they hate each other. Yeah, they make, well, not hate each other, but <laughs> or they, at least Bella hates, yeah, hates Karloff. The, the, yeah, Martin Landau <laughs> playing Bella goes. He was always cursing Karloff and. Yeah, but who knows if it's true. So Karloff, you know, of course, he was the master of of really the the classic 1930s Universal monster films. And, you know, as the, as the 30s came to an end, and, you know, of course, World War II was around the corner, you know, these monster movies more or less got pushed down to B, B-level movies. I mean, in the 30s, they were treated, you know, as A movies. They got, you know, a good budget. You know, these, these movies were expected to make money. They got good promotion. But then in the late 30s, early 40s, the monster movies were more or less treated like, you know, like in Barton Fink, you know, like the wrestling pictures and, and you know, wrestling just sort of, pictures. <laughs> or, 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 um, or, you know, the Westerns, the cheap Westerns, you know, there's like, it's a template, you know, once you, once you have sort of a way to, you know, you, you just want to have the monster there and then you have some sort of goofy storyline and, and, you know, it makes money. They don't spend as much. It's like I said, it's a B film. And at this point, Karloff was getting a little bit too old. He didn't want to play the monsters anymore. He was still in a lot of these films, but he'd usually play the mad scientist or someone like that, like in The House of Frankenstein. But the guy that winds up taking over for the, you know, the main monster role is Lon Chaney Jr., the son of Lon Chaney Sr. And um, he winds up pretty much in the 40s being the main monster guy. Yeah, because he played like every different type of monster. Yeah, he's the only actor from the Universal line to have played every single major monster. So he plays the mummy. He play, He's the Karis mummy in, in the, the reboot of the mummy. Uh, he's the Wolfman, of course. Everyone knows that. He plays Dracula in The Son of Dracula. And then he plays Frankenstein monster in Ghost of Frankenstein. 
So he basically plays all of the major yeah. monsters, you know. Um, Everything other than like an alien or something like that. Right, right. And so, you know, by the time you get to the late 40s, of course, you know, the universal pictures start to wind down. The classic monsters wind down. Of course, we're entering into the atomic age now. And we talked a little bit about this with the creature from the Black Lagoon that, uh, you know, Universal was still making monster films, but they were focusing more on, you know, either giant bugs and or, or uh, you know, prehistoric monsters, things like that, you know. So there really wasn't a main monster guy at Universal. And so that pretty much ends the the run of Universal with the monster movies, with, you know, with there being one major guy, you know, to, to or I should say one main guy to play the monsters, get the choice roles. Uh, the 1950s, uh, of course, with the Hammer films, we see a reboot of all of the classic monsters, right? Yeah, because they were like, Okay, what if we did those stories but with color now, you know, and stuff? <laughs> yeah, and the two main guys that come to mind now are, are who? Um, Peter Cushing and for Christopher Lee. Right. And Christopher Lee takes the mantle of, okay, I'll play the monsters. Uh, Hammer wound up making, remaking all of the classic monster films. So they, they did many Dracula films, many Frankenstein films. They did a mummy. I think there's two or three mummies, mummy <laughs> movies. There was a werewolf movie, Curse of the Werewolf. And then they even, oh, they did a Phantom of the Opera. And then they even got into some other sort of, you know, the Gorgon and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, nine times out of 10, either Peter Cushion or Christopher Lee or both of them were in these movies. But usually Christopher Lee would play the monster and Peter Cushion would play the the Van Helsing or the Dr. Frankenstein, or the the explorer who... Yeah, whoever's like the human role, like opposite the monster. <laughs> right, right. And so, um, and it's funny how in the Dracula movies, Peter Cushion is the hero because he's the Van Helsing. And he's kind of more of a swashbuckling Van Helsing, you know? He's not like <laughs> the old, just, you know, distinguished scientist, you know, religious scientist. In, in these Hammer films, he's much more action-packed, you know? Yeah, well, the, the Dracula movie is action-y in general. Right, <laughs> and he's the hero. But then when we get to the Frankenstein films and he's playing Victor Frankenstein, the monster, who's played by Christopher Lee, is, I wouldn't say sympathetic. He's not as sympathetic as uh, when Karloff played the monster for Universal. But the Christopher Lee Frankenstein is every bit as much, you know, not really responsible for even being alive. Whereas the Victor Frankenstein character is really the bad guy. Yeah, so. he's really creepy too. Like, it's funny because I feel like all the Christopher Lee roles, he always, whether he's uh, like Frankenstein or Dracula or whatever, he's always like this like powerful force. Whereas Christopher Lee, he's kind of like, like when he's bad, he's like a stab you in the back. Type of person, like the way he plays Victor Frankenstein, he's like creepy. You know, he's like. You mean Peter Cushion? Yeah. Uh, did I not say that? I think he said Christopher Lee. Oh, uh, whatever. I when Peter Cushion plays Victor Frankenstein, yeah, he's like real weaselly and creepy. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> he, he even murders, you know, a guy for his brain. You know. Yeah. So, uh, but. The thing about these two guys and the whole Hammer line, and, and even though I loved it as a kid and I accepted it, you know, as part of the whole monster movie, you know, it was a, just a continuation of monster movies for me. It's British, you know, it's it's a it's a British <laughs> production company. It's not American. Um, not that you know, I'm not being biased or anything, but I'm just saying when we're talking about who the main monster guy is, we can say that 
yeah, for about 10 years there, it was this duo, Peter Cush and Christopher Lee. But there's another guy who emerges out of the 40s who, you know, unquestionably becomes the main monster guy. And in my opinion, is really the last great monster guy, and that's Vincent Price. Now, Vincent Price, uh, he didn't really, I mean, he, he did play the Invisible Man. He was the voice of the Invisible Man in uh, Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein at the very end. It's, it's his voice. You don't see him because he's invisible, <laughs> but it's Vincent Price's voice. And he played the Invisible Man, I think, in the second Invisible Man movie. Yeah, isn't that? Invisible Man Returns or something like that. But he's not the Invisible Man in the original with Claude Rains. Yeah, it's uh, a much different like portrayal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so he, so we can say that Vincent Price did play at least one of the classic monsters, you know, for Universal. Yeah. But then going into the fifties, uh, he's in The Fly. Well, he's and, in House of Wax. Which and House is of like, Wax, House exactly. House of Wax right. is That's, not a classic monster movie, but I feel like it's like it's cl- like it's classic in its own way, like. Uh, because, you know, the wax, the house, like the wax figures and all that is like a concept that's like really associated with Halloween and everything like to this day. Yeah. So, no, you're yeah. right. No, House of Wax. <laughs> I, I, I think that's grandfathered in. Yeah. Really. A, a lot of monster fans just say, okay, yeah, come on in. That, that one's welcome. Yeah. Just the same <laughs> way that, uh, the Frederick March, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde has always been grandfathered in. I mean, uh, yeah, you, that's not a Universal Pictures film. Yeah, I, but it blends right in, you yeah, know? because he is a classic monster, and, and Universal did do their own Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but, um, but the Universal one with Spencer Tracy is mm, not very <laughs> it's, good. It's not uh, the same. Not the same. And Frederick March, you know, I think to this day, it's the only... Uh, role by a male actor wh- where he won the Academy Award for playing one of the classic monsters. Yeah, Frederick oh, March yeah. won the Academy Award for his portrayal of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Uh, this is a great movie. I mean, for its time, <laughs> 1932. But going back to Vincent Price, uh, you know, he House of Wax, that's, yeah, definitely. And then there's The Fly, although he's not really, he's not the fly, so he's not <laughs> the monster in that one. Um, and then he's in Last Man on Earth, a film that we talked about, which was a, the first uh, film adaptation of Matheson's I Am Legend, Richard Matheson's I Am Legend. Uh, which we you know talked about in depth in a previous episode, and Vincent Price is amazing in that film, and it's it's a it's a sort of cheapo B movie, you know, gained cult status, but his his performance is is excellent. As a matter of fact, Vincent Price is always great. I, I've never seen a film where I was like, oh, Vincent Price wasn't very good, you know, <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Then he sort of transitions into some of these gimmicky films, the the William Castle films, like The Tingler, and you know, William Castle was known for having. Gimmicks, basically. Yeah, he had interactive, uh, like, experiences. <laughs> yeah, he would, yeah, exactly. You'd go to the theater, and uh, with the tingler, the, he would rig up this little thing that would run across the back of your neck, and if you... <laughs> yeah, or, like, buzz the seat or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, something. And then there was another one where he had the skeleton hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. You know, I think that was, uh, which, House on Haunted Hill? That was Hill. probably House on Haunted yeah. Hill, yeah. Yeah. And so Vincent Price, you know, he's, you know, this is still all still late 50s, early 60s. Uh, and he really starts to cement his claim to being the main monster guy at this point. Uh, he then starts making, or maybe even simultaneously, is making films with Roger Corman because he did The Raven. I mean, that, that's 1963 or 64. So that's a remake of The Raven. Of course, this is Ed, Edgar Allan Poe, poem. Uh, there was a 1930s version with Karloff and Lugosi, and there's another one called The Black Cat. 
Yeah. That's also from the 30s with Lugosi and Karloff. And both of these films were remade by Roger Corman in the in the 1960s. And his main, uh, his, his uh, partner in a lot of these movies was Peter Lorre, mm. who, <laughs> you know, some people think that, this is, this is similar to the um, thing I was saying about Igor and how a lot of people, it's like that Mandela effect. A lot of people think that Igor was Dr. Frankenstein's assistant in the original Frankenstein, of and, course. And they think it was played by Peter Lorre. They think it was played by <laughs> Peter Lorre. Yeah, Peter Lorre is sort of like the, the, um, the main Igor-ish kind of guy. But as far as I know, Peter Lorre never played Igor. Igor was played by Bela Lugosi. And Igor was never an assistant. He was just a, a, a villainous character in, in a, you know, on his own. Yeah, they were thinking of um, Dwight Fry, but... Dwight Fry is like, you know, he's weird in his own way. He's, he's not the same as Peter Lorre. Right. Well, Dwight, Dwight Fry played Fritz, and he also played Renfield. Yeah, Fritz the, Renfield and Carl. Carl, the Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. So, but Peter Lorre, I think it's just one of these things where during that period, I think from like 1947, 48, through the 50s, into the 60s, I think that there were, there were a lot of made-for-TV shows where, you know, Lon Chaney Jr. and Boris Karloff and, you know, a lot of these guys were invited on some of these TV shows to recreate the classic monsters, you know. Yeah. And while doing that, a lot of times uh, Boris Karloff would play, didn't want to play the monster, so he would play Dr. Frankenstein and then his assistant would be Igor. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to look any further than... Mad Monster Party for that stereotype. Right. So exactly. by by obviously by that time, which is like 1960, I think. 66. 66. It was already a cemented stereotype. It was by already that point. cemented at that point, right? And if, if people don't are not familiar with it, Mad Monster Party was a animated uh, children's show uh, made by Rankin Bass, who were best known for Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer and all of those great Christmas shows that we still watch every year, you know, 40, 50, 60 years later. But they actually did a, a monster one. I guess it was probably made for Halloween. It was called Mad Monster Party. It had all the famous monsters in it and everything. It was really cool. Yeah, if you're a monster fan little stop you motion, seen it. <laughs> yeah, stop motion puppets and all of that stuff. But going back to Vincent Price, he really starts to, he's pretty much firmly entrenched after the 60s uh, because he's, you know, he played all of these these crazy, you know, villainous characters uh, based on these Edgar Allan Poe poems and stories. Now, I don't know if Edgar Allan Poe is in the public domain or if Roger Corman just got the rights to the stories, uh, but they just wound up making all of these movies in the 60s, all by American International. That was the distributor. I remember as a kid, you know, seeing the American International thing, you know, the little logo before <laughs> the movie starts. And I, I knew what I was in for, you know, as a yeah. conqueror worm, mask of the red death, yeah. pit in the pit pendulum, pendulum, house of usher, house of I usher. Think. Yeah. And it, there's another one that I always forget. The oblong box. Uh, it wasn't that. It was something else. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, and of course, the raven. We already said that. Uh, and all of these are based on Edgar Allan Poe poems or short stories. And of course, the movies have nothing to do with it at all. They just yeah. they just take the name and then they just write a whole different story. Yeah, it's just like, well, this is creepy, right? Like, uh, this works. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, by the time we get to the late 60s, everyone, at this point, when people think of horror, they just, Vincent Price. It's, it's synonymous. You know, that that's that's how entrenched this actor was at this point. He was the main monster guy. 
He got all the choice monster roles. So by the late 60s, early 70s, Vincent Price was pushing 60, if not already in his 60s. I think he was born in 1911, I want to say. So mm. by 71, he was 60. And, you know, he had to figure out, he wanted to keep on playing monster movies. I think at that point in time, he, you know, he was still young enough to to be the main monster guy. But um, I was thinking of ways of reinventing himself, and he started a series of movies that had very similar themes. One of this style was called Theater of Blood. Theater of Blood is a, it has a very simple premise. It's almost kind of like a countdown movie. Vincent Price, he's a Shakespeare guy. So in the movie, he's also a Shakespeare guy, and he's a stage actor. And there's all these critics that, like, gave him, like, horrible reviews. And so, basically, it's just a countdown of him murdering each one. But they are all murdered along the theme of, like, a Shakespeare play. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really ingenious. And it's, it's really creepy. I mean, I have to say, when I saw this as a kid, even the opening credits where they play that, that song and then they, they show clips from silent versions of a lot of the Shakespeare Plays. Oh, yeah, I almost forgot about it. It's really yeah. cool, actually. Yeah. And, and there's just something about the combination of that music when they when they just show, and each clip they just show, like, the scene where some like where someone's murdered, you know? Yeah. So in Othello, it shows him, the guy, you know, Othello choking his wife. And then in, um, you know, Julius Caesar, it shows, you know, the, the senators all stabbing him. And these are from films that were made in the 20s, you know, yeah. the teens and 20s. But, of course, this is 1970 now, and this film is made. And, yeah, and Vincent Price is a Shakespearean actor, and... And he's supposedly the best. All the critics agree that he is the best, you know, all around Shakespearean actor in this film. This, you know, it's about this character getting revenge on the critics. Yeah. But <laughs> there's this award that he <laughs> he covets and he's never won it. And every year, you know, he, he's he's up there. It's like, what was that actress's name in the soap operas? Uh, Susan Lucci or something. Mm. And, and she's, <laughs> the one that everybody talks yeah, about. Yeah, Susan Lucci. And for years, everyone agreed, she's the best actress. But for some reason, she never won the Emmy. She, she like Someone <laughs> else would always come that year and just be a little bit better. But if you wanted to give an award for being the best over a long period of time, it would obviously be her. Eventually, she did win it, and you know, everyone was happy for her. But in this movie, this is this... Vincent Price character, it's a similar thing where, you know, he's never won this award and he's getting old now and he's like, he can't keep on, he's going to retire soon. And he just figured that this was his year. Like he just felt like this was the time when they were going to give it to him, you know, because he deserved it. It's like lifetime achievement award almost, yeah. you know. And of course he doesn't win it and they give it to some new up and coming actor. <laughs> and so the critics are having a after awards party yeah. And he shows up, it's like way up in the skyscraper and he's he climbs out the window and he basically kills himself in front of them. Yeah, but this scene is really cool. Like this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie because like he does the whole like to be or not to be speech from Hamlet, which like I'm used to that speech or that part of the play being like a joke, you know, like never really taken seriously. But he does, you know, he does it like fully seriously and like not just that little part, you know, like the whole thing in context. And it's like this like really nice music is playing in the background. It's like, <laughs> it's cool to see it like, I don't know, done so like beautifully, I guess. But it's because he's talking about basically, okay, like if you guys aren't going to appreciate me, I should just die, you know, basically, I guess yeah, is I mean, what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, that's what he was living for, you know, and, and uh, you know, you should never really, you know, invest your whole life or your whole career into winning an award. Yeah, but that's why, he, you know, that's why he's a, a, a madman. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's obviously, you know, 
self-absorbed and conceited, but I guess most actors are. Anyway, he winds up jumping and uh, and everyone just assumes that he's dead because it's, you know, it's, it's many, many four floors up, you know? Yeah. But in actuality, he... Uh, he lands in the river and somehow he survives the fall and uh, he winds up drifting into a homeless encampment. Yeah. There's a bunch of homeless people and he starts to perform for them and they're all just drunks, you know, drunks and drug addicts and he's performing for them and they just love him. They just accept them into their little commune and he eventually convinces them to murder for him. He also has an assistant, a young man who's kind of, he looks like he's like a young hipster. You know, he's got one of those three dog night mustache, you know, the the mustache that goes like down all the way. (laughs) Yeah. Like the Fu Manchu kind of goes all the way down like a goatee, but it doesn't have the beard part. So, um, and then he's got like a fro. Yeah, like a white man fro and like yeah. sunglasses. Yeah, and sunglasses. <laughs> and he's always in this this sort of late sixties, early seventies getup. Yeah. Well, they all, they all are, you know. Yeah. Along with the theater outfits. Yeah. It's a very colorful, like campy movie. It's great. Yeah. So, so, so the two of them, uh, Vincent Price and his sidekick, they reenact these plays, these Shakespearean plays, and they they always reenact the you know the scene where. The murder takes place where someone's killed. And how he does it, it's it's really creepy. Like the way he sets it up and the way he connects it to the play. It's very ingenious, very innovative. You know, for Joan of Arc, you know, instead of burning someone at the stake, he electrocutes this woman. Yeah. He, he pretends to be a hairdresser and he's he's basically setting her up in like an electric chair and she doesn't know it. She just thinks it's like a hairdryer and yeah. stuff. She's and one of the critics. And then he just hits the switch and she, she fries, you know, like in the yeah. electric chair. But yeah, it's like, and before each, like it's a very methodical movie, like, because he gets each one of these critics alone and then like, you know, lures them in with something they would like or whatever. And then when it's too late for them to escape, he always explains to them like, this is what you said about me, and this is why I'm going to kill you. you oh, know? yeah, yeah. He definitely, <laughs> right before he kills them, he he reveals himself, and then they realize, oh, my God, he's still alive, and then he kills them. Yeah. You know, just so he can get that sweet revenge, you know. But, yeah, it's a really clever film. It's very creepy, but it's also campy. Yeah, it's know? really fun. Yeah, that's the thing I love about these movies, this phase of the Vincent Price movies, this starting around 1970, going all the way up to about 75. There was about four movies, and they all have the same theme. Uh, they're, they're really creepy murders, where he's either the villain, sometimes he can be a sympathetic character. But in all of these films, there's also a level of tongue-in-cheek and not wanting to take it all too seriously. This is something that comes from the legacy of James Whale, who was the director of the original Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein and the Invisible Man. And James Whale being gay at the time, and of course, you know, this was at a time when you had to stay in the closet. He would make these films, if you go back and watch The Bride of Frankenstein, he would put in that film campy stuff that was playful and and would show more or less, you know, kind of like the a drag show. Let's put it that way. <laughs> like a burlesque yeah, type like, of sense like, of like, humor. Like, like, like drag queen humor kind of stuff. And we see that continuing all the way into the 70s with these Vincent Price films, even though you're also watching these horrible murders yeah. and this like, graphic uh violence, you know? Yeah, um, but somehow it's still lighthearted. It's like, like the serious version would be like Seven, but it's not like Seven. It's like, it's just way more fun. Well, yeah, it would be like if Seven had camp in it. And yeah. Seven doesn't have camp. It's just a very disturbing film, you know? Which is fine. Yeah. That's what they were going for. But that's the difference. You know, it was somewhat okay for a seven or eight or nine-year-old, which is what I was, to watch these films. And of course, my mom was like, why are you watching this stuff? It's too violent. But even she would 
notice those scenes where she'd giggle for a second and say, oh, okay, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of harmless at the same time. Yeah. You know? Anyway, this has been our talk on Vincent Price. Um, we're probably going to do, we'll probably do a part two on this. And yeah, there's we'll, more movies. There's more movies <laughs> to talk about. We're just sort of jumping around a bit. But um, there's more Vincent Price to come. Hope you enjoyed it. Bye. <laughs> If you like this podcast, please subscribe, leave us five stars and a review. Thanks.